What is up, Huda Nation? It's Christmas Vogel of Boot Crew Media here with John Hendricks and former Saints wide receiver Lance Moore. Uh, we're going to talk about Saints OTAs, everything we've kind of seen this week, heard this week, whether or not it gives us more optimism about the black and gold. We'll talk about all that. But before we do, we just want to remind you, as always, this program is brought to you guys by Scott Vicknair. Injury lawyers, have you been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, or hurt offshore? Scott Vicknair handles it all. You can give him a call at 504 504- 500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. So, guys, let's just, just jump right into this thing. Uh, finally getting some Saints football. I don't think there's anything more exciting in May than just seeing some practice clips that might not mean a whole lot, but means a lot to me. It probably means a lot to you guys, too. So uh, let's just jump right into this. And, uh, John, I'll just get this thing started. Um, in terms of the biggest storyline, probably the new quarterback in Derek Carr. What was it like seeing him out there? What was your early impression of number four? Yeah, I mean, so obviously it's just nice to be out there, right? Football being back, and we got to see the rookie minicamp as well. And so, you know, everybody's got to remember OTAs. It's it's strictly voluntary. Saints had good attendance there, but obviously it is your first chance to see players in black and gold and such. And Derek Carr looking good, you know, as far as it goes, looks comfortable. And and obviously, you know, talking to him after practicing just kind of some of the things is trying to get used to some of the the verbiage around and you know this is kind of the area to where. He kind of makes some mistakes in OTAs and it's, it's, you know, a non-contact type of thing right now. And, but there's still a lot of cool things just to see just who's there, you know, what's it look like, just the atmosphere and stuff. And, you know, we only get to see this year one practice each week, but Saints are practicing Tuesday, Thursday, we get to see them first at time every week and such, but still a lot of excitement, a lot of cool buzz on Derek Carr, him and Rashid Shahid connection. That looks pretty good so far. It looks really good for Jawan Johnson. It looks good for Chris Olave. I mean, there's just some plays there that's like, Ooh, man, you want to see more of that. It gets you excited because you just didn't see a lot of that last year and such, but man, it's a, uh, you know, take some of it with a grain of salt. Cause like I said, it's not contact and, you know, sometimes and, and Lance correct me if I'm wrong, maybe step in, but you know, I think sometimes OTAs may cater a little bit more to the offensive side just because you can't have the contact and all that other stuff. But, you know, it's just good to be back to watch Saints football right now. Yeah. And kind of speaking of that uh, with Derek Carr in the building, I know a lot of talk about the leadership. So I'm curious for you, Lance, when you have a, a quarterback and obviously, you know, one of the best in the business and Drew Brees in terms of leadership, uh, how much of a difference is it when you do have that that quarterback being the voice in the locker room or maybe offensively speaking, being the guy that you guys can lean on? Does it make it any difference that it's coming from uh, the position where there is a lot of weight to it and there's a lot of responsibility? Always. I mean, you you want to your quarterback to be the voice of the team. Obviously, he's the voice of the offense, but you want him to be the voice of the team. And that's one thing that obviously since Drew has been gone has not been the case for this team. Right. We've had a revolving door at quarterback. We thought we had it figured out with Jameis. Obviously, Jameis couldn't stay on the field, unfortunately, for him and for us at times. So to have that guy who is going to be the singular voice for the team. Now, obviously, there's a lot of veterans on the defensive side of the ball. I'm speaking specifically about Cam Jordan, uh, Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis. I mean, these guys are still going to have a great voice on the team and specifically to the defense. But you want your quarterback to be the guy. You want him to be the one that's leading the charge throughout that building. And to have that guy again is an important, a super important part or a piece to this puzzle. Um, and to John's point, um, talking about how, you know, the offense looks and how things are catered to the offense in the offseason. Well, things are catered to the offense 
through practices in the NFL because you can't have contact. And most of the times you don't have pads. And let's be honest, offense is the reason why team people are showing up and putting butts in the seats, right? You've got to be able to score points. And so you see it with the rules in the NFL now that have kind of been tailored to, um, you know, hope that the, you know, offenses are scoring more points every week. Uh, but this is a funny time of year to, for me personally, it's, it's, it's important obviously because we know that getting a connection with a new quarterback or an, uh, uh, the cohesiveness with a unit offensively, defensively, special teams, those things are important. But for us as fans, because we're all fans now, it's like, ah, our team is going to win the Super Bowl because of X, Y, and Z. So it's just, it's, a, it's an awesome time of year. Um, as a player, sometimes it was annoying because it's like we're in the offseason and this stuff really doesn't count, but we need to get these reps in. Um, but from a fan's perspective and an analyst perspective, it's awesome because it gives us content and it gives us things to kind of look forward to as the offseason progresses in the training camp. So I know with OTAs and, and Lynch, you kind of talked about it too. Uh, I know it's not the official start. I feel like training camp is obviously when things really get going, especially from a fan perspective. And you kind of see that competitive fire come out for sure. But I think one complaint, at least among fans last year, I felt a lot of Saints fans almost felt as if the, the offseason took a little bit to get going, where this year it seems like attendance-wise uh, it was pretty good. And, John, I'm curious from your perspective, in terms of guys that you didn't get to see out there, I know people mentioned Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, uh, Alvin, guys of that nature. I believe it was only around nine or ten players. Were there any maybe injury-related things that might be a little concerned for now uh, or across the board? Is it one of those situations where Saints fans should feel pretty comfortable? I think they should feel pretty comfortable. I mean, Demario Davis, he was he's been there doing workouts and stuff. So just because he wasn't on the field, and again, just for everybody, we only get to see Tuesdays. They still practice on Wednesday and Thursday, so they could be on the field. They could be doing other things. But you know, Michael Thomas is obviously he just had that hardware removed not that long ago, right? So that's that's a given and kind of expected. The only real injury that we know about is Nick Saldaveri with a calf injury, expected to be ready for training camp. But it was really good to see Trevor Penning out there. Also good to see Cesar Ruiz, even though they're not participating right now. But, you know, a few months removed from the Liz Frank injuries and the surgeries that they had to do. I mean, that's that's encouraging as well. And guys like Peyton Turner, who, you know, they're out there now. It's important for him to be in a full offseason uh, program. And so that's really where you're at. Kind of, you know, things like with JT Gray not being out there, Taysom Hill. I don't think it's anything major or serious. Anything that I've heard is nothing major or serious with any of these players, right? And I know fans had a little bit of a scare because they heard about the other Michael Thomas having like a labrum injury. That's not the Saints Michael Thomas. So y'all get all that craziness out of your head. <laughs> Thank God I saw Ravens like right before the tweet when I was on because I – it was early in the day, too, and I'm like, I, I don't need this right now. But, uh, you know, crisis averted there. Uh, John, how about the receiver room? I, I know that's a, a topic that we've all discussed, the three of us, you know, several times before. Uh, obviously, a lot of, I'd say, new influx of talent, some interesting pieces, A.T. Perry, Brian Edwards. Obviously, we're looking at guys like Shahid and Olave taking those next steps. What was your overall kind of like early thoughts of, of that position group? I think it's strong, stellar, probably one of the best groups that they've had a long time, right, at least on paper, and that's without Michael Thomas. And so I, I think, you know, and I've said it on here before that they weren't putting all their eggs in the Michael Thomas basket, something I was told months ago. And, look, I think these moves are reflective of that, right? And it's so, you know, I like what I've seen out of Chris Olave. You know, we're trying to confirm if he's actually bulked up a good bit because I think that was the expectation or that he was going to do that to help make a little bit better of those contested catches. Rashid Shahid, he looks polished. He looks really good, really 
has a, a little bit of a fire under him. And then, you know, Brian Edwards, a veteran kind of, if you will, and, and somebody that was brought in that could also be a possession style receiver. He's really exciting to watch. They picked up James Washington, but it goes beyond that. And, you know, like Kirk Merritt, he was doing running back work because they did have, you know, they were down Alvin. Kendra Miller wasn't uh, participating. And then obviously they had another one that was down too. So it's just one of those that that's kind of how it happens. You know what I mean? And, and Miller's going to be ready for training camp. Right. But you know, they didn't have Eno Benjamin also participating. So some of those roles are, are a little bit different, but I'm excited to see more of A.T. Perry. You know, what we saw in rookie camp and what we saw in in uh, in the first OTA had a couple of dropsies, if you will, but he bounced back really, really, really well. And, you know, I talked to, to Cody Burns after, after uh, practice, and one of the things he talked about is there is no fight in this, this group. And one of the things to appreciate is just the fact that there is no somebody's like trying to fight and take each other's job. Like there really are putting together that work to learn and such. So, I mean, look, you got a, a great quarterback now, a solid quarterback option, uh, being able to throw to these wide receivers, man, I'm really excited about this group. I think it's definitely an underrated group for sure. They're going to have to obviously prove themselves, but man, you look at even the undrafted guys like Shaquan Davis, really excited about him to see more. And then, uh, you know, the guy they picked up Malik flowers from Montana. I, I'm excited to see a lot more of him too, but I think they're in a pretty good position. And Oh, by the way, they still have guys like Keith Kirkwood on the roster. Traquan Smith. They're going to have to fight for sure, but uh, much better positions than they've been in a while. It's a good problem to have. And, and that, you know, you mentioned Olave, whether or not he bulked up uh, Lance, I'm curious. I, I think for, Olave, we all saw last year, rookie season, maybe not the best quarterback situation in terms of Winston gets hurt early. And then obviously Andy Dalton, respectable veteran, but maybe we didn't get to see, you know, those big plays from time to time that we wanted to. Yet he still had over a thousand yards, had a lot of great moments. What is, and I don't know if fair is the right question, because with a guy like him, if he takes that next step, who knows what the ceiling might be. What, when you think about that year two, what's a potential jump in your mind that he can feasibly make? Well, I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to look first and foremost at stats. OK, what do how do his stats measure up this year to last year? Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go about it because uh, Michael Thomas is going to be back because Rashid Shahid is going to be getting more targets because we've got a Taysom Hill that's healthy. We've got a Jawan Johnson. We've got multiple running backs and other receivers that can make plays. I'm not saying he's not going to have a thousand yards, but I think the the. Uh, way that he's productive in this offense will say a lot about his role in this offense, whether he's a legit 1B or if he becomes the number one receiver in this offense, even with a Michael Thomas out there. Who are we going to in clutch situations? Who are we going to on third downs and mediums and third and longs when we know we need a catch? Who are we going to in the red zone? That's when you really start to see the next step is if the offense, the coaches and the play calls kind of rely on him to kind of make those plays. Whereas last year, I almost feel like he was the number one because he had to be thrust into that role. And the ball was almost being force fed to him because we didn't have a lot of productivity around him. So, um, and kind of to touch a little bit on like the fact that people are wanting him to fill out. They're wanting him to bulk up. Well, he's tall and such a slightly built guy. Even if he puts on 10 pounds, you're probably not going to see it. But when you will see it is in the games is in those contested situations, is him being able to break through tackles and, and kind of run away from guys. That's when you'll see it, him being strong at the point of attack right there, uh, whereas we didn't see a whole lot of that last year where we saw the ball getting knocked out of his hands or we saw him getting bumped 
just lightly and falling over after making catches. Like that's when we'll see the the physical progression with him. Um, and and yeah, like I said about about kind of knowing if he's taking that next next step. I think that's something that we'll see over time throughout the offseason. It's going to look like you know he's a, he's a Pro Bowl guy and everybody's going to be singing his praises. But when we get into the the real season and those bullets are flying, we'll know if if he's ready to take that next step or not. Yeah, and that, that's a fair point. And, you know, John mentioned before A.T. Perry, so I'm, I'm curious about this, Lance. If you remember, you know, in 05, kind of going through the first stages of your of your NFL career, what was kind of the biggest challenge for you during stuff like OTAs and mini camps in terms of just getting adjusted to the, the pro game speed? Yeah, well, so it's funny because I was obviously with the Browns uh, coming out as a rookie, but you go through rookie mini camp and – you kind of get this confidence about you like, okay, like, you know, I can play here. I could, then the veterans show up and then it's like a whole new ball game. Not to say that most guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. I can't play, but you can tell from the very first snap of team period that it's different. Like it is, it is way faster than anything that you've ever seen in your career. And you've got to get on board as quickly as possible. And for me, the, the best thing that a young guy can do is know what he's doing. It's to me, it's not even about making a million plays out there. And if, you know, if you don't have a catch in the team period, then they don't think about you. Like the most important thing is getting in that playbook and understanding what to do. And then if there's a situation where they need to put somebody else in and it may not be in their natural position, if you can go out and show that you know multiple positions, and I'm speaking specifically to somebody like A.T. Perry at, at the wide receiver position, if you don't know just the X, you also know the Z. Oh, and by the way, I can, I've been studying the Y position. I can slide inside and I can play the Y as well. Knowing what to do is the most important part of anything that they're going to do in this offseason. Now, obviously, you know what to do. You can go out there. You can play fast, right? Playing fast is important. And then obviously making plays when your number is called is up there as well. But I think just getting in the book and understanding what to do, because it is such a difference from the rookie minicamp when you're basically being babied and they're spoon feeding you all the information to we don't have time to do that when the veterans are here. We're trying to get on schedule as far as our improvements each and every day so that we can be prepared to start training camp, right? So this, this process is a lead up to training camp. It's not even a lead up to the season, but it goes fast and, and the guys have to get adjusted as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine uh, what that adjustment is like. John, I, the cra- I don't want to say the craziest, but I'd say the story, uh, and it should be probably the, the, the most interesting story of this offseason, the fact that we went from Foster Moreau's situation being heartbreaking, all of a sudden it kind of shifts to heartfelt and now it turns into one of those situations where like the fact that he's just on the field is a testament to the guy's toughness and, and just overall um, it, it really just feels like a full circle moment for you getting to see him out on the practice field. You guys got to speak to him after too. Uh, what was that like? I, I, Cause I can't remember a situation like this ever in the NFL. Yeah. And look, Foster, I mean, humbles everything. I mean, he obviously downplayed it because he always talked about that. And look, I'm not going to take anything away from, him, but he, he said that, it didn't really affect his quality of life. He didn't have to do chemo or radiation or anything like that. He had a, a certain treatment plan that was able to get it. It's a rare form of cancer, uh, but it still is cancer, something he's going to have to deal with the rest of his life. And really, just it was one of those things where he was able to get the treatment. And after the, the Saints doctors had called it, caught it and everything, and then he was able to go from there, right? And so getting the football shape in there and, and you know, like he had kind of pointed out, uh, is the fact that, you know, he was – 
getting finished up with the treatment. He was there Tuesday and then he was hitting the field with the practice teammates a, a couple of weeks ago. So it's just one of those that's like, man, it's, it's a great story. And seeing him in action, it's really it's exciting to enticing to see in this offense. Um, a two tight end threat set. And look, they didn't have Taysom Hill. Lucas Kroll was pretty active, but man, you know, Derek Carr was finding him obviously talking about like, it just feels familiar. It's Derek's out there. Right. And such, but you know, he, like I said, he had that big scene pass to Juwan Johnson as well, but look, Foster Moreau being there, um, being able to play in front of the hometown, he's a Jesuit guy and obviously played at LSU, but man, he's, He's ready to go. There's not going to be any type of like limitations on him this this uh, this season or anything like that. He's going to keep up with his treatments and such as as they're actually needed. But man, it's definitely him and Demar Hamlin. I think are probably two of the easiest feel good stories across the NFL, and I don't think anything else will come close. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see what type of ovation he gets week one uh, in the dome. That's going to be awesome. So uh, obviously, as always, we got some people in the chat with some questions. We'll get to the first one here. Uh, John, this seems right up your alley. What, what's been the, I don't want to say the word as they ask, what's the word on all the rookies, but what have you kind of seen so far uh, from this rookie class? I know, like we mentioned, when there's not, when there's not contact, it's tough to kind of tell but what have been your early impressions from most of the, the main headline guys. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's got to remember, we saw one OTA practice. I mean, we saw them at rookie minicamp, but we've seen them maybe two hours total, right? So to sit here and tell you, Pine Sky, man, this guy is amazing. He looks great. I can tell you some of the things that I have seen because I was talking, like I said, we brought up to Lance that we see more of the offense and stuff, right? So you don't see too much of Brian Brisset right now. You don't see too much of Isaiah Foskey, but you do see A.T. Perry, right? And he had overcome some drops. He had a nice back shoulder connection from Jake Hayner when they were doing some team uh, working against Isaac Yidham and but Yidham came back a few plays later and broke one up intended for Perry. So, I mean, those are the types of things that you can kind of see, uh, you know, uh, Hayner, he was one of the guys I was most impressed with on, on the, off the bat. I just love his footwork. I like the zip on his ball. He's pretty aggressive in team. You know, he just seems like a guy that feels, I want to say comfortable, but feels like he's, he feels like he has a good understanding of what kind of to do. I didn't get that sense with like an Ian book or and such, you know, it's just, it just seemed like it was a little bit of a learning curve. Right. And so, um, you know, other rookies, I mean, we talked about Sal DeVere, you know, he's obviously hurt right now with the calf injury and such, but, you know, again, Jordan Howden, I, I'd love to tell you more, but it's just one of those things that OTAs, Probably not going to have a, a ton of things to say about the rookie class. When we get into training camp, that's when you're going to get most of your download as far as all the rookies and what you're going to be able to see from all these guys. But, man, you know, um, you know, undrafted, we talked about them. I'm really excited to see more from all of these guys, right, and, and such. But nothing crazy that sticks out right now. I mean, you know, other than maybe some of the stuff with A.T. Perry. What I also can share with you, too, is, you know, there are, was a moment on Tuesday where – Again, he has a couple of drops. He's sitting there while they're doing special teams drills, doing some one-on-one chatting with Cody Burns right there on the field, obviously getting some instruction. So I think that goes a long way because A.T. Perry has a, a real passion to play, and he's going to feel slighted because of, of, of falling in the draft, right? So I, I just really am excited to see more from this rookie class. But, again, you don't see too, too much. I mean, the only other person I might mention is Sir Roderick Thompson. You know, he was number two on the depth chart, kind of technically behind Jamal Williams, getting some number two carries. But again, you know, you know, Benjamin, you know, Kirk Merritt's also having to do it. And and obviously you don't have Kendra Miller and there's no Alvin Kamara there. So it's bound to change. 
Look, I saw, I know it's all brief footage, but what it looked like in terms of footwork for Jake Hayner, I thought it was as impressive as those photo shoots that he did. And those are pretty good. I have to say those had Twitter rolling. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens with the rookies, obviously, as this, uh, this, uh, training camp, this offseason workout, training camp, all that materializes this summer. Uh, another question here, I think this is pretty interesting, John. Who, in your opinion, would be the likely starting slot receiver? Uh, Saints obviously have options, as we mentioned, but who do you think would probably be the lead? Uh, obviously, kind of early projection, but who would you kind of give that to? That's tough. Um, you know, I, I got to see who's going to distance themselves. You know, I think Rashid Shahid could be somebody that can be there. I think that, you know, look at James Washington potentially being somebody that could threaten for that. You know, um, look, I, it's it's tough to say um, just because, again, it depends on the evolution of the, 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 the offense and how things are going to evolve there, you know, because it's going to be increasingly tough. I'd love to see a little bit more Malik Flowers play from that position or, you know, I think guys on the outside, like a Shaquan Davis, you know, A.T. Perry has a great route tree and stuff. I'm not saying he should go in the slot, but I think they have some options there. But as far as right now, I think that's why the Hunter Renfro talk is so so high right now because I don't think they have a definitive solution yet, but – you know, if they get somebody like a Hunter Renfro, this guy's a slot specialist. I mean, he can do way more than just play at slot. But, you know, I'd be really interested to see where exactly everything falls. But, again, um, you know, if they don't get Renfro, they're going to find their guys, if you will, and stuff. And, and it's going to be interesting how this personnel stacks up because I think there's packages with, with you know, having Moreau and, and obviously Johnson on the field at the same time. There's a Taysom Hill stuff. There's obviously how to use Jamal Williams in accordance with Alvin Kamara. You got Alave looking pretty good. I mean, he made a, a great catch um, at practice with Carr. And, and, you know, just these are the times where you make all these mistakes, if you will. And so I'm interested again, see more of it. All right, see, this is why John knows best over here. He mentions Hunter Renfro. Next question that I want to bring up, what no. is like the likelihood of this? And I'm curious, John, we'll bring it back to you on this one. What are you kind of thinking in terms of maybe not likelihood of this trade actually happens, but in terms of the fit, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, so everybody's got to remember, it is definitely something that would happen after June 1st because of the contracts, all these other types of things, right? Um, should I think, uh, do I think that they, they absolutely have to trade for them? No, but at the same time, would they, would it make sense? I, I think the rumors because it makes sense because of Derek Carr, all the types of things. I mean, shoot, you look at the reuniting with Foster Moreau and you got Jonathan Abram on the team. You got Ugo Amadi. You got all these different connections, right? Or Brian Edwards or what have you. So, I mean, it could make sense, but of course it all comes down to what's the compensation and then what's the contract look like and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, again, you got to remember most of the receivers for the Saints um, besides Shahid and Alave and then presumably A.T. Perry making the final squad, most of the guys are free agents after this year. So I, I think if you look at doing that kind of move, hopefully it's something more long-term vision, if you will. But, um, you know, look, never say never uh, at anything. I think they have more pressing needs. I think they need to look at the defensive line. I think they really need to look at linebacker for sure as some of the areas to address when it comes to potential free agents or trades and such. But, you know, don't rule it out, but it's something that keeps coming up. And sticking on the subject of Hunter Renfro, Lance, I'm curious, what do you think about his potential fit if the Saints were to add a guy like that to a room that we mentioned, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid? I think if they were to add him, that'd probably be the best group of four wide receivers the Saints have had in a long time. But I'm curious what your perspective would be on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me from just a, a totally football perspective, hell yes. Um, he is an accomplished slot receiver. He's not just some guy, right? He's a pro bowler. Hunter Renfro is one of the best slot receivers in the National Football League. He is a guy that 
is known for routing people up, getting open, and making plays. It doesn't look pretty all the time, but one thing I've always noticed when he's running routes is, dang, this dude is wide open. Hot. Like, and then you watch it, and you're like, this dude has something to him. Like, he's not, he's not just the 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 standard white receiver that's a quick guy and he, and he catches some balls. Like, he's different now. Like, this dude can play. So, like John is saying, if if there's a a way that it can make sense financially and contract wise, as far as how long he's going to be there, I would do it. I mean, what what do you what are you losing? You know, and then obviously you're going to have to give up some kind of compensation, but I just, I think that if it's a need that they feel like is kind of top of list, then you make it happen. You do whatever you can to surround Derek Carr with as many weapons as possible. And then you go play ball. Like you, you, if, if there's an opportunity to do it and you don't do it at the end of the season, if you are thinking that that slot position was something that could have helped you be better then you're going to be kicking yourself. So if it's a situation where he's available, I say absolutely try to find a way to do it. And if he's not available, um, you know, to go back on the last question, talking about the, the slot position, who who do I think is going to start there? I don't know that it's necessarily important as, you know, who starts there as who ends up playing there most of the time. And I think with the speed that we've got on the outside with Shahid and Olave, I would not be surprised to see Mike T down in the slot beating those little DBs up, making contested catches, getting yards after the catch, kind of almost moving and molding into that Colston role where he's just a big body guy that's able to out physical and outsize those smaller nickel defenders. Um, and then obviously out quick linebackers and safeties. I mean, it, it that would make a whole lot of sense to me. And obviously Sean's not there. And Sean is the guy that obviously loved the kind of bigger slot receiver or, or the Colston role, which is one that he developed. Um, but I think Pete kind of embodies some of those same thoughts as, as far as who he would like to see down in there. And uh, we've seen him do it before. It's not like it's something like, oh, my gosh, Michael Thomas is moving from the X to, to play in the slot. Like he's he's played in the slot a ton and made a ton of plays in there. So it would not surprise me to see him back in there a lot this coming season. I'm just thinking about, you know, maybe it's week one and, and some poor slot cornerback gets told you're, you're lining up against Michael Thomas, who's been motivated to prove everyone wrong for a whole year. That that would just, just doesn't sound fun to me. Three years. Uh, I, I totally agree on the whole Hunter Renfro thing. If you could bring him in, would be fun. I, you know, someone on Twitter bothered me one time. I was like, are we sure he's good? I'm like, he's a year removed from a thousand yards receiving. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a good player. So uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. If not, though, John, you mentioned a position group that you mentioned in terms of pressing needs. Uh, and one of them was the linebacker group. And we already know what Demario Davis and Pete Werner can do if they're healthy, but it's the rest of the group. And what do you have depth wise? And you lost Caden Ellis in the off season. So the two guys that I'd mentioned in terms of who's on the roster, and I'm curious what you were able to see from them this week, albeit probably limited. Uh, what was it like early impression wise from Zach Bond and then DeMarco Jackson, the former uh, player from App State? Yeah. I mean, so DeMarco Jackson's involved. I mean, he's obviously running with the first team alongside Warner. So I think that speaks a lot of volumes for him. I, I'm really curious to see how he kind of develops after spending, you know, his, his rookie season with a, you know, undisclosed injury out there. If you want to call it Richard, I don't know, but we got to talk to him and find out a little bit more, but you know, I think he's somebody that can evolve. I, I really thought coming out of App State, there was a lot of good things from it. And, you know, it's crazy because I remember, you know, and I, I wrote about this this morning when I was answering a mailbag is that one of the things that made Caden Ellis so good is that he went to Dennis Allen 
in the in you know before everything started and he says look where can i get better at right and one of the things is he's like you got to be better off the ball you got to be quick on it and and such and so that's where caden had developed his game sure enough it's the preseason he makes the play and that's where it's like okay this guy's got it right and you got to give him some snaps give him some reps and such so hopefully that goes on with with demarco jackson this year to to start to kind of cultivate some of that same thing with Zach Bond. I think he's a guy that's probably on the roster bubble. I mean, he's somebody that plays special teams, but they also have guys behind him that can play special teams like Ty Summers, right? And, and some of the other veterans, Ryan Connolly, and then they have Andrew Dow. So the biggest challenge for those guys is, you know, can you get to into the reps? And I know a lot of people are real high on Nick Anderson, what he can do from Tulane. I want to see more from him, uh, obviously. And so I think it's a position that's unsettled because Warner did miss some time last year. He missed some time in training camp. He missed some time in the season, which, again, yielded way for Caden Ellis to play on the field, too. And so, you know, typically how the Saints run their defense, they do run mostly two linebackers. But, of course, they're going to have a base 4-3 and then, that Sam spot is is yet to be determined, in my opinion. And so that's where I want to kind of see them go as far as the direction goes. I think Bond can be somebody that can get after the passer. We've seen that before, but ultimately, can he do the other things, right? And th- that made him, made what Caden Ellis is so special. So I think they look at somebody. I know some people have talked about Quan Alexander. I just don't see that direction. I think them trying to get a young guy, somebody can fit in. With, with what Michael Hodges teaches, I think he's very underrated. And I think that, um, you know, they'll get the right fit, but it won't surprise me if they bring in a couple for training camp. Yeah, and again, we'll see how that progresses. If one of those two in-house guys can kind of take a similar Caden Ellis leap, obviously that'd be uh, probably the best possible scenario, but we'll see how that all unfolds. Uh, a couple more questions before we head out. We'll do this kind of around the horn here. We can start with Lance, but outside of Derek Carr, because I'd imagine that'd be the guy we'd all pick in terms of which newcomer we're most interested to see and who will have the biggest impact who outside of him would be the newcomer that you're looking at, whether it's you'll think they'll have the biggest impact or more. So you just really want to see how they fit with the saints. Lance, who would be your pick there? I mean, obviously I'm a homer here, but AT Perry, I, I just, I think that there's, there is an opportunity here. Like we talk about Chris Olave and um, Rashid Shahid, as well as Michael Thomas. Now we know Michael Thomas can go up and get the ball, but the other two guys, we haven't seen a whole lot of them jumping up over top of people's heads. So there could be potential here. A.T. Perry could be a big-time red zone target, a guy that we can just get the ball to the six-yard line, seven-yard line, and throw a fade to him, and we're we're scoring touchdowns left and right. I mean, that, that could be a role that he could fulfill. I really don't see him as a every-down wide receiver in this offense. I don't see him getting a ton of targets, but if you have a guy that's got the ability to go up and catch and, and snatch the football away from the defense and score for you, uh, shoot, then I, I think the sky's the limit there. But I guess my 1B newcomer, as I've been saying all offseason, is one of the best moves in free agency, I think is Jamal Williams. Uh, I mean, I just I think he is such an underrated player coming off over a thousand yards, 17 touchdowns. And it like he got signed and it was like, OK, great. We signed another running back. But it's just so like I, I just it, it kind of bothered me how less how little attention there was to the fact that we just signed one of the best running backs in free agency. He doesn't have a huge name, but this guy can play. Just turn on the tape for his entire career. And obviously he wasn't getting as many carries in green Bay, but this guy showed and he proved that he's got plenty of juice and he can make a lot of plays. And if something is to happen with Alvin, which obviously all of us hope doesn't happen with him, but we've got a guy now. We, we don't have a backup running back in Jamal Williams. He's a start. 
That's for sure. John, how about you? What are you thinking in terms of newcomers? Williams is going to be mine, but for sure. But I'd say Kendra Miller just because of a, I love his his attitude and demeanor and just the guy that is itching to take somebody like Alvin Kamara out. I mean, I, again, I, we said it weeks ago. I, we That's what you want, I feel like, is somebody that's hungry and wants to learn and stuff. But I'll go defensive side. I'm looking at the two DTs that they picked up is Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard. You know, again, they're running with the first team. Um, if, on OTAs again, make with that what you will, and and I expect Brian Brisset to come in there a little bit more, and you know obviously Malcolm Roach is there, but again you look at the DT market, you saw how Shy Tuttle got paid, you saw how David Onyemata got paid, and and Contavious Street left and such, and so this is one area where I'm a little bit concerned, right? Is the trenches because you looked how bad the the run defense was last year. Now you got new faces, their contracts pretty friendly right as far as a dt when you look at the market and how everybody else is getting paid so look saunders has won a super bowl he's coming in here and filling that shy tuttle role you got shepherd coming in here he's filling that on your role i'm curious to see if they can generate you know a stop the run b can they get in and and be able to affect the quarterback i think that's something that's been missing and so i think we've had this debate we've had this talk is that i would rather see most of that line getting the pressure and getting the sacks. I mean, it's great that they had 13 and a half sacks from linebackers with DeMario and, and Kate Nellis last year, but I want to see that from them, the guys in the trenches, right. And, and guys not named camp and Jordan. So I'm really interested to see more from the two DTs. Um, I think they're going to make a pretty large impact here and, and such, but you know, again, what Glant said, AT Perry's one Jamal Williams. It's easy to pick Foster Moreau out here as well and, and such, but you know, Williams is probably one of the top guys I think that is going to make a huge difference this year. Phil Rowley slighted because of, of Detroit not offering him the money he thought they were. And that's one of the reasons why the Saints, you know, won that. And they really got a bargain for a guy who can really play. So a lot of good ones to watch for sure this year. I'll try and keep it consistent. Uh, I was very excited when the Saints drafted Isaiah Foskey. I'll try and keep it on that note because I kind of feel like there's a twofold situation here where it's either as a rookie he's making plays or maybe he's you know getting the best out of Peyton Turner in terms of having competition on the roster. Either way, I'd love to see the Saints have a young pass rusher kind of push uh, you know that defensive line to the next level. Uh, I was going to do something else, but I think this is a pretty fun way uh, to kind of wrap it up here with some fan questions from before. And this comes from someone – if you're looking for a really cool debate forum on who, uh, for the Houdat Nation in terms of YouTube, definitely check out his page here. He says, how many wide receivers do you guys think will make the 53-man roster um, and which ones are we probably looking at? Obviously, a, a pretty loaded pool to pick from, uh, but what do you guys think will probably be the number? And if you guys want to name names, uh, go for it. But what are you guys thinking in that regard? We'll probably go John and Lance on this. I think one of the toughest things for me because they changed the special teams rules, right? And so I, I think that may affect how this roster shaped a little bit in some aspects too. Um, you know, I think obviously everybody knows Alave and Shahid are, are pretty much the roster locks, right? MT, he bounces back. He's there. He's there on day one too. I think your top three, those are your top three guys. Now, outside of that, that's where it gets a little bit interesting. Because again, like I said, I, I want to see more Shaquan Davis, but I'm not giving him a roster spot. Malik Flowers, I don't think I'd give him a roster spot. Now you got veterans like Brian Edwards and James Washington. I think those two would be the guys. I mean, you can't leave out, you know, guys like Traquan Smith as long as they can put things together. You know, he's kind of been buried on this depth chart early so far. Uh, Keith Kirkwood, again, is a guy that, you know, they've trusted and, and he's done things in the past. So I think really your top three are where you're, you're can set in stone. 
I think they keep six personally. Um, and of course it depends on how they are planning on utilizing Taysom, what their vision is for the tight end role. Oh, by the way, they've chained up some of the roster exemptions as far as game day for the quarterbacks too. That's another way that rosters could shake, take shape this year too, as far as emergency quarterback situations and stuff. But I, I like six personally, just because again, you saw what's happened the last two years. But again, I think it starts with Shahid, Alave and Thomas. Then outside of that, you know, it's going to be up uh, up for grabs is one of the be one of the best battles of training camp. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I think six is the number. Um, it could potentially be seven from week to week, depending on what's going on special teams wise. Um, and it's really, it, to me, it's hard to say today, what are going to be the guy? Like, we don't know. We don't have any idea. We don't know how guys are going to be health wise. We don't know what's going to happen if there's more roster moves to be made. So I can't, I can't really give an estimation outside of Michael Thomas, Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. I think those guys are, are obviously pretty much locks. Um, and then it, my mind goes immediately to a Traquan Smith or a Keith Kirkwood, like, they keep bringing these guys back for a reason. They they add some sort of value somewhere. We've seen Traquan kind of bounce around from position to position. He's really, really good in the run game, which is something that, that some of these younger, smaller guys aren't necessarily great at. Um, and and for, for me, it's funny because in, in my career, Robert Meacham, Devery Henderson, those were the guys that were usually at the point of attack. That was part of their role. They came in in the run game, and usually Colson and I were trotting off the field. So I've seen a lot of that same thing with Traquan Smith. So he he still adds value. Even though he's not catching 100 balls in the season, he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns, but he has value on this team. And I'm not saying today that I guarantee he's going to make the roster but I think in order for some of these other guys to make the roster, they're going to have to beat him out. It's not going to be a situation where they say, ah, oh, well, James Washington has made more plays in OTAs. We're going to give him the spot over Traquan. Like he's going to have to really, really like open up some eyes and prove that he can do a lot of things on this offense and not just make spectacular catches from time to time. So it's 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 to me, it's just way too early to, to start making roster guesstimations because that's all they would be at this point. Um, but I think six is a pretty safe number. And then you add, you know, probably two or three to the practice squad and anywhere from, you know, eight to 10 guys. Uh, and we can see guys go up and down potentially throughout the year. So it's not like the guys that get cut are just gone and we never hear from them again. So uh, thankfully, uh, that was a part of my career as well. So um, I, I think, you know, six is a solid number and, and, you know, really could be after those first three, it could be any three of, of the rest of the guys on that list. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you guys mentioned Traquan, by the way, because the discourse always cracks me up. It's like Saints fans, if you want him off the roster, they got to find someone who's run blocking up to his capability because he he absolutely moves people uh, in the run game. So it's going to be a fun position battle there. Uh, I just have to throw this one last question in because I find it fascinating. Um, Lance, you would know better than me if I'm if I'm exercising, it's usually on the basketball court. It's not on a football field. So uh, the, the talk about turf and whether or not it causes injury. Saints have a lot of indoor games this year. Is it a big difference for you guys playing surface-wise? You would obviously know from your career. Well, first and foremost, a lot of indoor games is good, which means it's not a lot of outdoor cold games. That's great. We're a <laughs> turf team. We play inside in the dome. So it's like that to me is important. Um, and for, you can't worry about the surface, right? Because it's, it's, it's something – it's a variable, obviously, but it's an uncontrollable variable. Like the players have no say in what surface is going to be on that field. We practice on turf every day in the bubble. Um, so, I mean, it's – Sure, it, it could potentially cause more injuries, but 
as a player, I'm not thinking too much about it. And maybe that's like the old school football player in me. Like, okay, just show up and play wherever you're supposed to play. Um, but it, I, you can't speak to what the impact is going to be on the team because that's the future. And I'm not a genie. I don't I, I, like I, I'm not I'm not a psychic. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future. Hopefully we don't have any kind of significant injuries that were based on playing on turf. But really, that's something uh, something that you really can't control. You know, like I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time worrying about us playing in a lot of games on turf because. There's a lot of teams that are playing a lot of games on turf and injuries are something that happened and there's really nothing that you can do about them. You just hope that you're on the right side of that luck. Yeah, look, you said, you know, it's predicting it's a future. We already got people talking about you coming out of retirement and signing a deal. So, Lance, I don't know if you want to start getting those hammies loose from now, but uh, uh, we'll see what's going on there. Uh, but anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us here. It was a blast talking about Saints OTAs. It's just the beginning of what could be a really fun uh, offseason and season for the Saints in general. I think May, and I tell fans this all the time, I think this is where if you're ever going to be a little, I'd say, blindly optimistic about the team. I think May's the time to do it, right? Don't let people bring you down in May. The Saints had a fun offseason, uh, and we'll see how that materializes over the next couple of months. But that's going to do it for me, John, uh, and Lance here for Boot Crew Media. As always, guys, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page for more content like this in the future. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your upcoming Memorial Weekend, and stay tuned for more content here from Boot Crew Media because Saints OTAs is just heating up.